0: I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore Podcast, our Christmas special. The Framestore Podcast is a learning and talent development podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. Each week we present a conversation in two halves. Part one the Framestore Podcast dailies. Each week we invite a guest to our regular daily session. Set questions designed to find out what makes our guest tick what they do at Framestore, their career journey so far, and all manner of advice, tips and tricks. For our second portion, arriving later in the week, we hand the reins over to a guest co-host, a member of our Framestore community who stands to learn a lot from the experience, who engages our guest into a deeper dive conversation, arguably a more technical discussion depending on who we have on the pod. This week's special guest is Ian Landman, Framestore London's Head of Recruitment. Our co-host is Lucy Beard, crewing assistant with FPS or Framestore Pre-Production Services, as it's better known. This is another great discussion and an insight into the role of a recruitment lead, the art of active listening, and the joy to be found in watching careers blossom from initial hire and beyond. There's also a festive twist of favourite meals to watch out for. So, that's it from me. We hope you enjoy a very festive edition of the Framestore Podcast with Ian Lambert. Hello and welcome to the Framestore Podcast, Episode 4, Part 1. Each week we invite both a guest from our global Framestore community and a co-host with a keen interest in our guest's craft, work or career path, and we let the magic happen – we split each episode in two parts across the week. On today's episode, I warm them up by inviting our guest to the Framestore podcast daily session, our 13-question grilling, followed by Thursday's second part, where our co-host leads a deeper dive into why we invited them on the pod in the first place. This week's special guest is Ian Landman, Head of Recruitment London. Ian's career traces back to a number of recruitment consultant positions between 2010 and 2015 before seeing him land a head of recruitment role at VFX software provider Foundry in the summer of 2016. The following year, Ian joined the mighty Framestore for a three-year term as senior recruitment manager. A short stint to Axis Studios as head of recruitment later saw Ian return to Framestore swiftly getting promoted to head of recruitment last year. Joining us for this week's episodes is our guest co-host Lucy Beard, London-based crewing assistant in FPS, or Framestore Pre-Production Services. Also a graduate of the University of Westminster with a film production degree in the bag and has been with us since the summer of 2021. Hello Ian and Lucy, how the devil are you? Welcome to the Framestore podcast. How are we doing? I'm all right, I'm good, thank you. I can relax my cheesy voice now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For those of you listening to that really smooth intro, we had about 30 takes of that, that intro. So uh, that's, the, that's the magic of the edit.
1: But it's the Christmas hats. It's throwing you off. Yes, we are. We I mean, all. It's, we're it's all not wearing... being video recorded. We are si- yeah. sitting here with comical. Christmas hats, on.
2: festive hats. It is tis the season, as it were.
1: And we have Lucy to thank for that. Yes, thank you. So uh, this is this the Christmas world. special, right? It's officially the Christmas special. Yes. Is there a Christmas jingle to to warm us in as well, or is it the regular maybe. podcast jingle? Ooh, maybe. <laughs> maybe, okay. maybe oh Maybe, maybe maybe there will be uh, a really? few Santa sleigh bells soundtrack in this conversation. Looking Lovely forward, to, the I'm Looking
0: forward right to it. Looking forward to it. Feel it now, but it is indeed the Christmas special. So this drops just before we break, and both for Christmas and uh, the podcast has a little break as well for a couple of weeks. Yes. Well yes. deserved. Thank you, thank you. Well, this is only episode four, and we're already having a Christmas special. We've got themed episodes, <laughs> and this uh, episode is themed in a number of ways, uh, mainly in that we've got a bit of a recruitment special. Our first few episodes have been focusing on particular disciplines and roles, and this you know, absolutely focuses on a, a particular role, but on the, the craft of recruitment. And as uh, head, of, head of recruitment for, for the London um, part of Framestore, um, Ian, I'd love to hear more about, before we get into the dailies, I'd like to warm you up first, we'd like to have a little nice. bit of chat. Yeah. Um, I'm, we, we sit quite close to each other and I, I see you on various calls and I see you g- going about your day, but I'd love for our listeners to hear more about your typical day for, for the head of recruitment. And what, and I, is there a typical day?
1: There, there definitely isn't a typical day. So I support um, technically kind of four different parts of the business. So you've got uh, FPS pre-production, you've got film and episodic, you've got the technology group, uh, and then you've got the general support functions of, of the business. You've got, you know, HR, finance, uh, the library. Um, so it's it's making sure that you know recruitment is satisfied mm. across all of those uh, divisions that stakeholders internally are, are happy deadlines are being met um, but of course I, I manage my amazing team as well so it's, yep. it's making sure that they feel supported that all the challenges that, that, that they face there's a, you know they're coming at it from creative or different angles um, and that they feel supported so yeah definitely no day is no day is the same and how big is your team Ian at the moment Oh, God, now you put me on the spot. There you go. Um, Should so, chart with you. Yeah, that's it. So um, the team at the moment is uh, four key recruiters, uh, an amazing coordinator and, and a talent sourcer. Uh, so they uh, they currently support the, the, the four divisions in London.
0: And how, so I'm getting well into 20 questions now. We haven't even opened the dailies. But how do you find the balance of, uh, you know, that, that head of department role? So managing a team and doing all the kind of pastoral kind of work, making sure your team are supported, their,
1: their career progressions
0: looked after, and managing kind of multiple roles across London?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really exciting. So I've been managing teams now for, for going on like four, four years. So it started with a cosmetics company called Lush, um, working across their kind of digital tech and brand, uh, super quirky company. Um, they kind of opened me up to kind of 360 reviews um, mm-hmm. and loads of uh, a huge emphasis on kind of training and development. Um, across the team. And I got really, really stuck into it then and really felt like I could empower my team to progress in their careers, not just within recruitment, but but outside. Mm. Um, and that's followed me right through to, to where right. I am with, uh, with Framestore. And again, across the whole company, there's an emphasis on training and development. Mm and it's no different in, in, in recruitment day to day. We've yeah. had recruiters go into production, crewing department management, um, and, and of course, climbed up the ranks as, as senior or lead recruiters. Yeah. Um, I love seeing that journey. I love you know, supporting the team where I can and, and helping cool. them to, to achieve their goals. Thanks, Ian.
0: And uh, also another question, because as I always say on these episodes, my, my research is limited, strictly limited to LinkedIn. I don't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Don't do a, I don't do a full stalk, just okay. LinkedIn, <laughs> is uh, you had a good stint at, at Foundry. You know, um, yeah. Has that stint, I hate the word stint, but has that, that position at Foundry given you an advantage coming into to a studio, you know, having that kind of almost foundation of understanding the kind of the software and what our artists work with and that kind of stuff?
1: It had, but the, the lens is very, very different um, in technology. So how I found myself with, uh, with Foundry is um, I was actually freelancing as a, as a, as a recruiter. And I found myself um, in a bit of a niche uh, where I could help um, digital and, and, and tech teams scale. So they're going mm. through a period of transformations. We did that project with Lush where they were transforming their e-commerce team. So we added around 120 new engineers to the team uh, in about a year. And then I went to Foundry and it was was brought in for that exact same thing. Uh, We were transforming and scaling the Katana and Nuke teams by kind of 70 plus engineers. And and that's kind of how I saw the challenge as a recruiter. And that was really my first foyer and introduction to the wider games, visual effects and entertainment industry. Mm. Um, You know, it was only at that time I found out that, you know, Nike and New Balance were designing trainers um, with with, with this type of software. so yeah, no. The lens was was really, really different. It was really, it was hardcore engineering, C plus plus and graphics uh, engineering. There was a huge emphasis on you know finding uh, people to complete white, page, uh, white papers and research and development. So I, I, I never, although I, I knew the VFX industry was there, I was never aware of the scale. I was never aware of what animators or compositors were doing day-to-day. My interaction with producers at a software house is extremely different to what producers do here at Framestore. So I want to come back to all of this because I've got lots, I've got 13 questions to,
0: that, will, that will bounce around your, your career so mm-hmm. far. So I don't want to kind of uh, ruin any of your answers, but I want to kind of bounce over, talking about bouncing, and I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to take all, all of us seriously with these ridiculous know, um, headgear on. That Lucy kindly brought in, so, so thank you, Lucy, not only you for are, coming on the podcast, but I, for bringing say, the, there the are festive more, headgear. There are
2: many more.
0: Yes, well, I'm no, getting very sweaty best. under this uh, oh, I
2: might, I know, I tinsel hat, <laughs> but uh, I'm,
0: I'm going. I'm going with it. Um, so, Lucy, uh, we invited you on the podcast on the back of uh, having a conversation with Ian. So, mm. Ian suggested you'd be a great co-host. But uh, why did you uh, bite, bite our arm off to come on the podcast, or did you? Because you. Were well, it was.
2: It was. I was a little bit hesitant because um, in well, my job after uni, I ran a podcast, but I was doing um. the recording side and like editing it. I didn't do any of the voices, so it was like, oh. This is a daunting prospect, but no, because I work closely with Ian and yeah, I thought, Mm. yeah, it'd be nice to know a bit more about you. And then, yeah, just I want to be part of the podcast. Say hello to everyone listening.
0: Hello, hello out there. Hello, hello. Hello from Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) And Lucy, it would be remiss of me not to talk a bit more about what you do at Framestore as well. Mm. Um, Could you, for our listeners that aren't familiar with FPS, what it is you actually do in Framestore? So
2: we kind of look after the stuff before... Before the shoot and sort of during the shoot, so we look after the pre uh, previs which is all the kind of, so before so before that you get the viz dev, then previs comes in to kind of, I don't know, pave the way for like the shots we plan, what they are shooting on the day to make sure it'll work. Uh, post-viz after that is when they've shot the shots and we're kind of putting the rough effects on, ready for the VFX to take over and do their magic. Um, and we've got a bit of the VP side of things, so virtual production. Uh, where it's LED walls and it's all that exciting stuff so yeah excellent enjoying it very much so very much so I was like yeah I've enjoyed it since I started to be honest so yeah it's a, cool so team, up, right? it's a really cool team yeah if you're on the, if you come up to the sixth floor give us a shout Come we hang well. out yeah come hang out we're, we're great energy great energy, yeah, energy. we've got the hats going so you
0: know okay <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping this hat it's <laughs> happening Amazing. Right. So I'm very aware that uh, we're, we're 10 minutes into the the episode and we're yet to open the uh, the daily session. So I'm going to cue the dramatic sound effects and we're going to get stuck into it. So are you ready? Are you prepared? I mean, what
1: happens if I say no?
0: Well, I guess it's a very short episode. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's do it. Let's go. All right. So um, the first question is, uh, kicks us off. It's called Who, Where, What? Who are you? Which we've kind of established. Where are you? Which we've also kind of established.
1: And what are you working on? Yeah, so I am the head of recruitment for the for the London studio, uh, supporting film and episodic, FPS, which is pre-production services, uh, the wider support functions of the company, and uh, and technology. Um, yeah, we're here in London. Chance yeah. your name <laughs> um, in the basement in the training uh, in the training suite. Um, and what am I working on at the moment? Um, I'm actually working a lot with with FPS. Okay. Um, so collaborating with Vincent Oppper who's the creative director um, at FPS to scale the previous team there is some obviously can't get into it but some mm-hmm. amazing shows yeah of course. Um, kicking off in, in, in pre-production uh, early part of next year so I'm, we're going through uh, a large project with Vincent to, to scale um, that, that, that previous team uh, and then of course I'm I'm supporting my my amazing team and uh, making sure that they can deliver um, across different hiring strategies, across film and episodic and and, and technology. Excellent,
0: nicely answered. It's quite nice to uh, ask this question when it isn't an artist because all the artists and the producers can't answer the question at all. It's kind yeah. of there on purpose to kind of go, oh, well, it's clearly, uh, I'd have to kill you if I tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite a nice opportunity to plug the uh, the roles that you're recruiting for just in case anybody knows anybody out Yeah,
1: that's right. I only found out recently this podcast isn't just solely for Framestore. It's external, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, anybody I was, can listen in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great opportunity to market our open roles. Oh, always, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> List we Yeah, that's right.
0: Tune in on... Th- <laughs> Thursday's episode where you get to get all your plugs in, so uh, you know, make the most of that for sure. Uh, and again, you know, I, I always ruin these questions because I cover it all off in my preamble at the start and all the kind of chit chat. But um, how long have you worked here, Ian?
1: Yeah, so I've been here now a little over five years, um, and as you, you know, kindly introduced at the beginning of the call, mm. second time yeah. frame store. So um, I had a really intimidating conversation with Amy Smith and who's our Director of Recruitment and Outreach, and Michael Eames, actually, that was <laughs> my my first interview with, with Framestore was with Amy Smith and Michael wow. Eames. Um, so again, I had a very traditional digital tech and brand uh, recruitment background, uh, didn't overlap too much uh, into, into creative roles. Um, so when I came into the company, I was speaking to Amy um, about supporting their technology teams, their R&D teams, of course, Um, And then Amy said, what about animation? And I was like, well, sure, I'm not going to say no, bring it on. Uh, And then they introduced me to to Michael Eames. And we were in the basement of the old Well Street studio in uh, in Soho. Um, And it was just weird having an interview in a basement, for one. Uh, (laughs) Two, I'd I'd researched Michael Eames before meeting him, finding out he's a, a, a tremendously talented animation director, and I was like, oh God, this doesn't feel, <laughs> this is unnerving. But it was, it was an amazing conversation. Um, they, they made me feel really at home, um, and then really kindly welcomed me into the team as a senior recruiter. Um, and that's where things yeah. kind of all took off for me. So yeah, so it's, it's been five years since then. Like you said, I, I, I took a, a year out mm. uh, through 2020. Um, I uh, left the world of visual effects, went to Axis Animation yes. uh, to help support film director Stephen Donnelly. Netflix and, of course, uh, the wider access crew. Mm. Um, they were preparing for their very first uh, feature film. Um, and, yeah, so I had an opportunity to, to, to join their team. And it was really exciting, actually, because it, their, their structure was very different. I had the opportunity to be... Much more hands-on, uh, collaborating with producers, the overall film director Stephen Donnelly, John Beeston, the head of the art department there. So the the stakeholder management was really different, uh, yeah, I bet. and uh, had a wicked time. It was really cool, and again, you know, it helped them kick off the very first feature film, which I think at the moment is still trending. Uh, in the top ten of Netflix, uh, Scrooge is it's ah. called. So um, yeah, definitely go go watch it with the kids. It's a good oh, one for the children. This is
0: such a festive episode. And <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's good yes, timing. Indeed. Wow.
1: Um, and then so yes, I finished up with Axis, and then um, was of course you know welcome back, hopefully with open arms. Yeah. Of um, <laughs> and so um, Henry Bull, our old head of recruitment, yes, um, invited me to to come back. Um, and it was at a time when, you know, everything just went absolutely crazy. Like mm. the, the industry was growing, there was more streaming services available to people. Yeah, so course. there was a big content rush. Uh, there was a bit of a talent squeeze. So it actually kind of changed day to day for recruitment. Mm. We had to be a lot more strategic, a lot more thoughtful about how we, you know, planned and used data to inform uh, our decisions. And yeah, it, was, it was really exciting. And, and then, cool. of course, then moved into the, into the head of role.
0: I didn't know you worked on the new Scrooge film that's, such a, that's why I love this podcast you find out these yeah. random facts so yeah. have you got a credit? I've got a credit for it oh, yes. Yes. I'm so watching
1: that yeah I think it was my, my 15th or 16th film credit which is Amazing. again as a recruiter is completely um, alien but it's just a real show of genuine hard work and, and commitment to, to the projects that we do in film, which you can only get in film as a recruiter, which is, again, it's, it's awesome. It's a great, great feeling.
0: I love watching our shows and seeing kind of like your name or Amy's name or, you know, people who work in kind of my world. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, even even with our competitors, cause obviously with Axis VFX, uh, I was, uh, fin- just finished watching Sandman and obviously so many studios collaborated on that, that, that show. And even seeing kind of old bosses who I used to work with and old old friends. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. they've all they all work in talent development or t- recruitment roles and Yeah,
2: it feels so good it's seeing really cool. people you know just like, Oh, you made me well, it's, it looks great, and then you just got that yeah. like recognition for it at the end. It's really nice to see.
1: It's a, it's a huge achievement, and, um, and again, I think all, the, cool. all of the support functions, although they're, they're not necessarily uh, cast and crew to a particular project, that's that's how we work internally. We, yeah. we focus efforts around individual shows. We come up with different user cases and strategies on how to crew exactly. uh, those individual shows. So. Uh, and it sounds obvious,
0: but those shows don't get crewed without recruitment. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what's what, nice. the beauty of it, yeah, or, or the, sure. the, the the back of the, the finance teams and the marketing teams and all of the. It, you know, it really is a sum of its parts, and that's percent. Oh,
1: all all kind of start with recruitment. Yeah,
0: it's really nice. It's really nice. And 15, 16 credits. What was your first credit?
1: You I don't know off the top of my oh
0: Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Uh, two. The, the the 80s one.
1: Eighties one.
0: The one in eight, yeah, it was the sequel, isn't it called Wonder Woman yeah. 1985? Yes. God, sorry, I should yes. know this stuff, yes. shouldn't I? I've already yeah. got the wrong 80s here.
1: That's <laughs> no, right. I thought you meant literally from the 80s. I was like, no, that was <laughs> no, not... <laughs> he's not that old. No, no, no. no
0: he's, a, he's a wise man, but he's... Not
1: <laughs> <old>. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, festive
0: episode, that's brilliant. And uh, I'm very, getting very distracted because I'm nodding a lot. I don't know whether our listeners can hear my tinsel
1: every time I can nodding. feel the hat bobbing, yeah, yeah. It's slightly unnerving.
0: So we're going to keep it in because, uh, yeah, I don't know how much this microphone picks up. But that's cool. Well, we'll come back to credits. I'm kind of obsessed with credits a little bit. I think it's such a cool mm. cool thing to talk about. Um, um, yeah, uh, let's move on. So, uh, Lucy, do you have any credits, by the way?
2: I got my first hey. one official last year in... Um yeah, yeah, congratulations! That's so cool. My first ever one. It was really exciting actually, because I was just, like not expecting it in my first year of working here. Yeah. So it was a big achievement. That's that massive a achievement. And it meant that every episode, I kept pausing it. Screenshots. Yeah, yeah. Every episode. Social media. <laughs> it amazing. was a little bit obsessive, but was it was a exciting. A it was an exciting moment.
1: That was a huge project for you and the team as yeah, well. Yeah, it was a really, really big, really big, big effort across like previous and posts. Mm. So
2: yeah, for
1: sure. Awesome!
0: Congratulations. Yeah, nice. That's so cool. I love that. <laughs> right. Question three. Of the dailies how did you get your break in the industry so we've touched on it a little bit yes we
1: have um so yeah i guess it kind of started with the foundry um being exposed to the wider industry obviously being a recruiter i do a lot of networking go to a lot of uh, events and i think that's when i heard of of amy smith and 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 framestore i then reached out to amy and tried to throw my hat into the ring and she she humored me with a response and a conversation which you know if anybody knows amy she yep. will always do. And yeah, again, just had, a, had an amazing uh, initial conversation, um, spoke about you know, my career today, mm. Amy's journey as well, which she was really cool to kind of talk me through her journey with Framestore. Obviously, she had yeah. done a couple of stints herself at that time and started with the company early 2000s and kind of walked me through the growth of Framestore whilst talking about uh, herself as a recruiter. So it was, um, you know, it felt like a journey I really wanted to be yeah. a part of.
0: Yeah, and there's something about kind of just reaching out to recruit. I mean, we talk about it a lot on panels and various kind of events where there's lots of different ways to reach out to a recruiter because you can't just kind of jump on LinkedIn and go, hey, you got any jobs going? No. Now, what was the tone of your your um, contact with Amy? Was it literally, hey,
1: can I work at Framestore? Or did you have a particular... I literally just wanted to introduce myself. Oh. I think I felt quite... Um I don't know the right word, Not certainly not alienated, but I felt mm. um, a little bit alone at, at Foundry because I, I yeah. didn't understand the wider industry. I was still, uh, I understood um, you know back-end engineering, I understood what a C++ engineer does, but as soon as the, the, the world of uh, graphics became involved, I, I just wanted to widen my, my knowledge base. Mm. And I knew other recruiters would have had the same struggles earlier in their mm. career working in the entertainment industry. So yeah, I, I kind of opened up just Introducing myself nice. just uh, broaden that network and hopefully get a conversation and uh, okay. fortunately I did. Oh, thank you Ian.
0: Lucy, what would you consider to be your big break?
2: Big break? Uh, yeah Well, so during uni I was um, running um, at Wimbledon for ESPN and from that is where I got my first official job was just basically asking a question oh you don't have an office in London do you and they're like yeah we do Mm -hmm. someone from that office is there and that's how that began and then yeah like I spoke to Ian well met Ian for my interview so that was yeah amazing nice it's full circle yeah Yeah, exactly exactly (laughs) and then um from there, like I already kind of heard about Framestore and had like a like kind of understanding and knowledge that like it's a big company and I mm. was very interested to like be part of that um but here I am excellent That's kind
0: of it. <laughs> well on that then that leads us neatly into the next question which is the cheesiest most cafantic question on the on the podcast but I, I like asking it which is what's the best thing about being part of Framestore from both of your perspectives five plus years and, and just over a year um start with
1: you Ian Yeah, I mean, again, I've heard the podcast and I I think everyone's kind of already hit the nail on the head. So I hate to be uh, repeating conversations, but it's it's the people. It's a bit cliche, but it's it's Mm -hmm. the people with Framestore. Um, I mean, I've not had um, the opportunity to to travel to too many other Framestore studios, but in particular, the the Framestore London studio, to me, it feels like a college campus of Hmm. purely final year students. Yeah. So people yeah. are heads down, they are motivated, they're getting something done, they're delivering a big project. But everyone's a big kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, people still like to go out, they still like to have fun. Uh, people are, you know, wearing hoodies and they've got smiles on their face. And I, I, I absolutely love that. I adore that. You, it's a, it feels very unique to Framestop from my perspective. Yeah.
0: The, the metaphor of a college campus full of final year students is great because yeah. you literally walk those floors and uh, the standard of the work obviously is
2: well, insane like that's it such is. a fitting description of how yeah. it feels but it, like it's not a negative thing at all it's just such a nice atmosphere there's so many people that are willing to just like ask que- if you want to know something about what they do you can ask yeah. them a question they're not going to like freak out or be like no you can't ask me that you should know that it's mm-hmm. they actually want like they're happy to like let like tell you things and of get to know you as well as a person it's really nice Yeah,
0: people are really open aren't they i mean mm. i found uh, i mean i know it's not for me to a- answer the question but um, <laughs> when we launched the mentoring program the appetite to mentor mm. folks was mm. palpable yeah. and i've had to really in previous companies like really have to go on the big sell I Had to get really get buy-in for, yeah. for programs like that and you'd get buying and, and people would engage with the program then it would just kind of peter out naturally yeah And every time I bump into people and I just casually ask them about their mentor relationships and more often than not people are saying oh yeah you know well I see people meeting in the the kitchen they're still going they're still engaging and there's something really special in that what about you Lucy what's your take on the the best thing about working here
2: I don't know it is a little bit of that but also then just I guess them I obviously can't really talk about it but the projects that we work on yeah. are just so well rounded there's never necessarily like two that are exactly the, they're never the same yeah. and it's all so different and so vast so that it's it's just impressive to see the creativity behind it as well mm, and yeah. like from a like sort of more production kind of mm. standing it's still just lovely to just watch what's happening with the rest of the teams and yeah. seeing them grow as well in the projects
0: it's an exciting place isn't it
2: definitely definitely exciting
0: and i was lucky to, lucky enough to be on a, a kind of project launch call recently mm. and just the names and the actors and the brands and the, the story and the script, and yeah. i'm like am i supposed to be in this call i felt like <laughs> I, yeah, yeah somebody yeah. ter- made a terrible terrible mistake and then getting to see it from that point where literally you're just seeing all kind of the, uh, you know, the, the reference material and, and to see that through, which will
1: be years. It's just strange be really to be cool. in a collective of like 3,000 mm. plus people that are all innately passionate about talking bears. Yeah. Like yeah. there's something like, <laughs> something quite comical and also like it, it forms a little connection between you and your counterpart on the other side of the world. I, yeah. I love it.
0: That's so cool. I love that. Brilliant. Well, let's move in. We're still talking about shows. So uh, of the shows we can talk about, um, if you could recommend... This is kind of almost like the uh, what you know, a show you'd recommend to an alien. But if you could recommend one show that truly showcases Framestore at its best, what would it be?
1: So it's the ultimate Framestore yeah. show. I think for me, um, especially in recent memory, you, you, you say Framestore, you think Paddington. So mm. I'm, in, I'm in, instantly drawn to say Paddington. Do you know what? I'm gonna be a bit cheeky. Before this year, I would say Christopher Robin. Um, it's a project yeah. that was worked on across multiple studios multiple divisions. You've got IA doing motion capture, uh, for you know the, the end credit sequence for you know, little behind the scenes. Um, uh, you've also got them creating AR apps. Uh, you've also got uh, IA doing the film posters for Christopher Robin, and then you've got the film and episodic team doing a, a tremendous work across, you know, animation, full CG environments, you know, teddy bears smashing cake into their faces, <laughs> running streams. Um, it's amazing, amazing work. Art department as well, contributing to, to Christopher Robin. Mm. Uh, and then you've got people like Chris Lawrence, Michael Eames, Arslan yeah. Elva, uh, yeah. these just absolute legends working on Christopher Robin. So I would say that for me, but 1899, Ooh, I think again, really is, a, is an episodic show. Again, he's done the exact same thing. It's worked across multiple divisions, multiple studios, has big hitters, It has junior uh, members of staff, staff, all contributing in their own unique way. And again, it's a real showing of what Framestore can right. do across not just, you know, film and episodic, but every, every part of the company. Um, you know, and, and now including FPS, which is only yeah. three, three years old, uh, the baby division of the company. They're, do, they're doing. They're in at a script stage, doing you know concept art, previs, postvis, virtual production, mm. um, working out in Germany during COVID, and then again, you know, you, you've got amazing teams in IA and film uh, delivering in post. Like that, to me, is kind of Framestore. Yeah, what a great example. And you've binged that, haven't you? I heard you absolutely smashed it. In like (laughs) two days, binged the whole thing plus the making of. And again, it's so cool to see the making of on Netflix and then recognising people from Framestore on the making of. Love it. It looks amazing. I shamefully have not watched it yet.
2: I've seen the first first episode. Shame
0: on me. Um, but yeah, I need to go on eighteen ninety nine. It looks incredible, and we we talked again. Like I said, we talked about this on the last episode, and um, yeah, we had our, our internal talk
1: recently, and it was uh, an incredible insight. Super inspiring, isn't it? Yeah. Even hearing from like product managers like Dan Chapman, who was a, um, a VP developer on that, just like his perspective of the the development of their Unreal pipeline and virtual production pipeline, mm-hmm. all of the the tools that they had to create on set, mm. during COVID, during a bubble, you know, working in between takes. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, yeah super so many inspiring. layers, super inspiring.
0: Great examples there. Um, Lucy, did we ask you? I got so into that conversation that I don't think I've actually asked you Well, I you was going
2: to say Slumberland, but I think you're right, because I feel yeah. like 1899 does encompass so much of like most areas of Framestore. I feel yeah. like that is probably the best example right now anyway, for yeah. like, including like, yeah, the virtual production side. Um, Talking a lot about FPS because I'm, and it's not because I'm just in the division. It's just generally yes. it's. it's a cool Is this why concept. you wanted to say Slumberland? <laughs> well, a little bit, but also I really enjoyed the story of that. Okay. I thought it was such a cute story. It was perceived so well, and just even just like the world that they were in was mm. just so realistic. Even though you know it's like such a fanta- fantastical world. Yeah. So mm. It was yeah. It was amazing to see. But a lot, a
0: lot of recommendations there for sure. A lot of homework to do this weekend for me. (laughs) So, Ian, what's a common myth about your job role or field of expertise? So what do people often get wrong?
1: God, um, that's quite tough, actually. I would say that recruiters are gatekeepers. Um, And I think people come at it from a lot of different angles. People are always uh, doing videos and blogs online on how to impress a recruiter. uh, Mm. Or people can sometimes become quite frustrated uh, with the recruitment process and, and I often see recruitment uh, and, and, and those in the team as, as, as gatekeepers and that's never been my, my personal perception mm. and I, I don't think it should be anyone's perception. Um, a good recruiter will always be there to and, and always pushing to get better access, visibility, equality, diversity uh, throughout the whole recruitment process. They're also going to be there to facilitate really meaningful conversations. A good recruiter will bring a lot of life and energy into a room to make sure that a, a productive and enjoyable conversation is had, that mm. the candidate has a good experience, that the hiring manager has a good experience. Um, and then off the back of that, uh, you know, a recruiter is always, have you, have you seen this? Have you se- also seen this on their portfolio? Oh, there's al- they've also got this hidden showreel that they didn't want to talk about. But I also think there's a really interesting piece of work, uh, so-and-so minute and second. And I feel like a recruiter really goes out of their way to, to champion uh, a candidate. Uh, or you know potential employers, mm. especially here at Framestore. Um, so I think that's that's a really you know common myth, and I, I, I totally understand where the, where the myth is, uh, has come from. Uh, can definitely sometimes feel like uh, somebody in the way of you know y- you want to talk mm. to the head of animation, you don't necessarily want to talk to a member of recruitment, so they, they you can kind of feel like they are gatekeeping. But mm. I, it definitely isn't the case. They're, they're really yeah, there yeah. to facilitate a really meaningful conversation, a really pleasant interaction. Um, and they will champion you, they will really champion you.
0: Yeah, you almost kind of, uh, and I wrote the word collaboration down, but almost enablers, I always find, like it, it, particularly around that conversation, because not a lot of, um, I imagine working with technical teams, mm. that, and again, I'm, I'm falling into dangerous territory of stereotypes, but you know, a lot of the typical technical folk don't really enjoy the, the natural engagement of an interview or a conversation that has yeah. a, almost a competency framework underneath it. So you come out of the end of a really nice chat, but behind the scenes you've ticked a lot of boxes and, you know, you're working out whether they, they can do the job or not. Um, so it sounds like you're almost kind of enab- enabling, is that the right word? Or, f- yeah, you said, used the word facilitating, you know, you're facilitating a, a great experience
1: for a candidate rather mm. than feeling like you are literally the, the gatekeeper. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're just trying to promote a positive experience. We always mm. want to come away with understanding as much about that candidate as possible, you know, creative, technical and personal. But again, they'll be there to promote a good experience. We'll be looking at the type of questions that we'll be asking, suggesting, suggesting that we, you know, dig into certain areas that we feel that are going to be strengths of a candidate. Mm. Um, we're there really to, to, to promote, that's for sure.
0: And moving into lessons learned, you know,
1: if, is there an important lesson you've learnt over the career? Or what's the most important lesson you'd consider? I, w- I would say active listening. And that's something that I think actually came quite late in my career because I think, you know, you're you young and you feel like yeah. you know everything, um, and you can get into autopilot, especially if you've done hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of, yeah. of, of interviews uh, or, or you know intake calls with hiring managers. You feel like you know it, mm. but you don't. Yeah. Uh, you really don't. You need to to actively listen, really um, intelligently listen, so you can have a meaningful yeah. uh, and considered conversation. Um, I think that was um, you know a really important lesson for me to learn, not only to, to grow in my career to, into, a, into a management position so I can then you know, better support my team because I can better understand what they're saying, but the, the same for when I'm actually interviewing, when I'm speaking to candidates, really trying to understand what they're saying or what they're trying to say you know, about, about their own growth and their own development. is um, not always going to be the right place for, e- for everybody. I need to understand what they're looking to, looking to achieve. Yeah. Uh, so we so we can help you know guide them in
0: the right way. Yeah, active listening. That's a great answer. I mean, I've uh, done a lot of training sessions over the years on the difference between active listening and I guess passive passive listening. Yes. So just kind of making the right listening noises and grunts like mm hmm uh-huh, mm hmm. And 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 it's even harder for recruiters to actively listen. Arguably, yeah. Because you're having to do it all the time. You must yes. be exhausted at the end of the day, particularly if you've got a massive like recruitment campaign where you I don't know how many. What's the most interviews you've ever had to do
1: in a day? I I, I mean I've done like eight plus hours Cracky. of interviewing in a day sometimes. I mean, I how do you
0: actively listen when you're spending your whole day interviewing? How do you maintain that level of, you know, immersive listening?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I personally, again, I think it's different um, between uh, each recruiter, but there's yep. kind of five or six six different attributes that, that I would like to take away from a call, you know, from when when I speak to any candidate. And, and it's the same for no, no matter their job role or mm. or, or role in the company. Um, so I'm, I'm forced to listen. I'm forced to, yeah. to, to to really dig in, so I can know what these attributes are going to be, so I can personally build uh, a mental image of of where this person may succeed in the company. Mm-hmm. You, those are the prompts that, that, that I use, and also, you know, I don't always go in uh, with with a set questions. I've got some standard questions that we'll yeah. use to, to to keep a fair and unbiased interview process, but. You know sometimes you want to have a slightly more meaningful and, mm. and fun conversation yeah, yeah. and you need to be listening to what they're saying so you can have somebody expand on something or you can contribute in a in a genuinely meaningful way and not just be like okay brilliant on to the next thing yeah so
0: yeah cause you want to have a conversation that you're interested in don't you like you want to get into kind of a passionate exchange because if you're just going through I worked for a company years ago where you had like the, the template, the interview template. Yeah, and yeah. you would go at question one, a bit like this this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> question one. But yeah, question one, you know, we're gonna be measuring uh, communication skills in this question. Tell me about the time you last communicated with somebody effectively, you know, and then mm-hmm. you just they answer and then you don't probe or you don't, you know, have any callbacks in the interview. You literally just listen to the answer and go, Thank you very much, next question and that's not a that's not a conversation is it' That's not no it's not,
1: and I think it actually came late in my career you know really getting into what active listening means because I think there's a, a degree of like vulnerability involved mm-hmm. because I think to actively listen and, and respond in a meaningful way you need to be able to contribute yeah. from your personal life experience or you know be able to, to, to recall and you know, by truly understanding the company or the team. Um, so there's a degree of like vulnerability from the person yeah. who's actually actively listening. Yeah, active listening,
0: honestly, I could, I could talk about active listening all day, and to your point uh, on uh, deeper dives and conversations, I mean, this would be a very long podcast episode if I did do that. So I am gonna swiftly move on to the, the next me. question, uh, which is uh, around mentorship. Who's been your most important professional mentor
1: to date? Uh, I've got two, one at Framestore, um, but the first one was actually my sister. Um, so I've been working since I was like 13 years old, having a paper out. I got my, um, my, my kind of ID card uh, when I was 15 years old. That meant I could, you know, first get, you know, my first full-time or part-time job. And I started working at Virgin Megastore, uh, which at the time as a teenager working at a record store is the actual dream come true. Yeah, totally. But I was working with my sister, uh, who is an incredibly powerful woman, extremely hardworking, um. And I think she was a genuine mentor. I didn't really understand the workplace. I thought I was going to, to school. I thought I could muck around a little bit, yeah. you know, get away with doing you know, not so much when nobody's looking. And sometimes I would you know, look over my shoulder and I would see my sister grafting. Sometimes I would just, I would talk to her about how she structures her day or how she keeps herself motivated and it was really inspiring uh, and it was like genuine it wasn't just you know a family member to you mm. know, sister to brother it was genuine like professional mentorship yeah. she was like you know here's how to, to to keep yourself engaged here's how you plan your day here's how you're you're gonna set goals and here's how you're gonna achieve well, them it was a really unique conversation and relationship that that we had during that time and that's a that's a really cool segue actually into a lot of the answers we get on the
0: podcast around um you know what they love about Framestore because everybody talks about Framestore being family. Everybody talks about yeah. family culture. Yeah. And obviously if you work with family, whether it's people who act, act like family, because, you know, you, you've got your kind of unofficial family, which are your kind of friendship groups yeah. and, and your actual family, is if you work together, you kind of feel you can kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit. You can kind of cut corners. But actually that example there is actually learning from a family member where you almost learn to distance yourself from that relationship and kind of get the job. Does that make sense? There is a yeah, question Yeah, no, it, it does, does yeah. But that's what I'm, I'm getting from that example is, you know, almost learning professionalism. It's not when we talk about mm-hmm. internal interviews, you know, bring, coming back to your craft, is when you interview somebody internally you've known for years, but you've got to put on your, I mean, we're wearing Christmas hats here today, you've got <laughs> your recruiter hat on and you still have to kind of distance yourself from that personal relationship yeah. because, you know, they may or may not get the job at that, at that juncture. Um, So I think that's a really interesting example.
1: Yeah, and I I think the second one, again, I've I've spoken about them already on the podcast, but it's it's Amy Smith, obviously, uh, our Director of Recruitment and Outreach. And again, um, from a leadership perspective, uh, they're somebody that that has your back, but they Mm. give you plenty of opportunities uh, to input your your own ideas. Um, They've set me up to succeed, they've they've had my back, and again, they've been a great mentor.
0: Uh, Amy's brilliant. Uh, hello, Amy, if you're listening, she is a regular listener yep. of the podcast. I have asked to get her on the podcast. You mentioned getting me on, and uh, she just doesn't want to do it. But oh. that's 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 the sign of uh, a great mentor, isn't it? Kind of, you know, let, too let, humble for her own good. Yeah, it's, you know, sitting in sitting behind the behind the curtain and letting the, the, the team get applauded. So that's great. Lucy, do you have a, a mentor? or a professional professional mentor. God, wrong. Rewind. <laughs> do you have a, who would you consider to be your most important mentor to date?
2: Do you know what, that's quite difficult to tell because it's it's kind of similar to Ian, it's sort of different for mm. different places I've been or like different areas of like life. So I guess when I was younger, it was always like my mum was always a role model to me. Mm-hmm. I mean here, shout out Andrew Draper, my boss. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Great guy, great mentor. Love
0: we, we love your Andrew. Yeah. Dream Team. Dream Team, Boom. exactly. These are great name drops. Exactly, Accent. we're just going to name drop we just them. got to increase That's the it. listenership. <laughs> we're episode yeah. four, we've got to drive up the numbers. Let's do some shout outs. Brilliant. Okay, so moving on to the next question then, uh, Ian, which is what underrated tool or tools are indispensable for your job?
1: Yeah, so for me it's Todoist. So okay. Todoist is just like a productivity app. Um, I've been using it for, actually in the last like year and a half. Okay. I kind of go in and out of different productivity apps that, that do different things, um, but Todoist keeps me on time it makes sure that i can annotate and know all of my meetings in a, in a in a meaningful place and that i can action them as tasks mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it, ju- it just keeps me it keeps me moving in the day uh, you okay. know it's just a, a task list uh, and also when i you know speak with my team as well i can i can take notes action tasks there it's become irreplaceable i don't know how i i worked without it actually do you use
0: that exclusively for work or is that like seeped into
1: your personal life as well? It's, it's moved into home life as yeah. well. Yeah. Excellent. So, you know, partner might text me to pick up the dry cleaning or something yeah. on the way home. It goes straight into the task manager. So, what differs that from because I'm always looking for a, a new productivity app. I've tried
0: them all and nothing's quite worked for me yet. What separates Todoist from your Reminders on your phone,
1: or it's super easy to input. Um, So you know, one click, you can set tasks. Leave them in your inbox, but you can also break out different tasks into into boards. So I've got boards for recruitment projects. So you know, one that I'm working with uh, with Vincent, and I can track uh, candidate conversations, notes, you know, action points that I need to get back to somebody, or ask a particular question, or maybe send out a contract or an offer. Um, and then I've got boards that I have with my team. If my team have any, any, any blockers or questions uh, or any projects that I need to support them with, um, I track with the progression of everything in Todoist and assign them as tasks and I assign myself tasks. So if I need to support them in, in any way that you know, I'll create myself a little thing to do and then front of my phone it says I've got six, six tasks to do in that day, I'll smash through them. Should get them on board as a podcast sponsor.
0: If we keep talking yeah, about it. Yeah, what do yeah, you reckon? Great. Exactly. Enough. Uh, brilliant. Thank you, Ian. Uh, what about you, Lucy? Have you got any uh, indispensable um, tools that get you through your your working um, day? Honestly,
2: my notebook. Just um, your old school notebook. Love it. Yeah, oh yeah, you've I got folded little, pages so and I've stuff. Got a system Ooh. where I put my actual my weekly to do list on one side, but I fold that page over, and then the other side is kind of my rough notes for the rest of the week that come Ooh, through, and I, like I that. you know highlight anything that needs to be actioned for the week. Okay. But other than that, we've got our main, like, big document that we will use. But this is, like, my thing to keep me on on task for the week. So, so.
0: we've got two recos there for uh, two walks of life, mm-hmm. the super tech side. Yeah, old, the school, old, yeah, school, old school notebooks. Yeah, old so new school you
2: know, I'm going to look that up now. I'm going to have to look up how to use that. Can't say we're not inclusive on the pod. That. Do it, I'll share, <laughs> you.
1: I'll share it with you.
0: Brilliant. Okay, brilliant. So um, uh, this one is kind of like the nugget of advice question, Ian, which is what one piece of advice you'd give to someone interested in a career in recruitment and talent
1: a nugget or a piece of advice yeah it's got to be the golden nugget the one go-to that you throw out there at every careers event take notes Um, if you've had a good conversation with somebody um, annotate you know take notes on on that conversation i think as a recruiter you're um, exposed to to everybody everybody cares about (laughs) recruitment so um, everybody in the building everybody in the company uh, has a vested interest in seeing you succeed and they will they will talk to you uh, which is amazing Uh, and then of course people that want to work and collaborate with a company they will talk to you Uh, in recruitment you go to a huge amount of events networking opportunities people will talk to you Uh, like I said don't find yourself on autopilot listen take notes follow up with people Um, so yeah taking notes has, has saved me countless times countless times um, that would definitely be my, uh, my piece of advice for somebody looking to succeed in recruitment. Is because you're, you're, you're going to speak to a lot of people. You're going to do a yeah. lot of talking. Uh, and the, the last thing you want to do is, yeah, find yourself on autopilot, and then moving on with the rest of your day. Um, you know, That conversation will serve you a dime a dozen, uh, you know, really
0: well. It's a real skill, isn't it? Particularly, I mean, almost, I'm, I'm thinking about networking skills as well there, about you know, the nature of the, the recruiter is you're building a network. And, yeah you know, creating some kind of uh, diary entry or or note with the people you meet. Because I bump into people all the time, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't remember where I met them. Or I saw somebody at an event recently, and actually I got it completely wrong. They just looked like somebody that I looked into. <laughs> yeah. And I went over, and it was like I was trying to chat them up. It was really awkward. I was like, oh, I think, don't I know you from somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> it was <a> genuine, <laughs> like, I think I've, we must have been in the meeting, but I, I literally had never met her before. But, um, yeah, having those kind of aid memoirs about what they've worked on or what you talked about, so you've always got that follow-up. I think that's great advice.
1: Yeah, because, again, at recruitment, I think for you to, to be good at what you do, you need to understand mm. the product or the team yeah. You can't just go into an animation interview and, and, and sit and support the animation supervisor. Um, you need to be able to, like I said, listen and contribute. Mm. So you are going to have conversations, endless conversations with animators, uh, or again, no matter what the field is, uh, or, or, or specialism. And I think just, just learning, picking up those there's no, there's nuggets of information that yeah. are going to see you succeed. Plus, uh, again, I'm, I'm super interested in, in, in this
0: element of the conversation. In as a recruiter, one thing I've learned, and having known a lot of different recruiters in visual effects, is knowing where people are moving around to. Like, yeah. I've always been fascinated, whether it's yourself or Amy or, or fellow talent um, managers uh, across industry, they always know where somebody is or what they're working on or what show they've worked on, yeah. whether they're in Frame Store, whether they're not in frame Store. I just find it
1: fascinating. Yeah, talent mapping is a, is yeah. a, is a really big part of the job, and mm. it's something that, you know, on a weekly, sometimes monthly basis, you're, you're going to be talent mapping the industry. You want to see yeah. where people are moving to, and again, you want to have conversations with those people. So. So if you are
0: not a Framestore artist out there, you're probably being mapped by uh, <laughs> Mr. Ian Landman uh, and his team. Um, brilliant. No, that's great advice. Um, so we're moving into the last few questions now, which are kind of a bit more, a bit more kind of, uh, what's the word, festive, I guess, in many ways, which is, uh,
1: what's one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? So I think, you know, Framestore is a global company, studios all over the world, um, I love seeing people transfer. I love people, you know, going to to collaborate with new teams on the other side of the world. And um, somebody recently asked me uh, if I had to transfer and collaborate with a new team, where that might Mm be. Um, I think for the longest time, I've always uh, been really inspired by the the leadership and tech teams in New York. So I always thought that would be an amazing city to go and work in. And I love New York in general. But after a few recent conversations, Mumbai, um. They've got yeah, I've heard good things. an incredibly, incredibly talented team that, that you know, is steadily growing and that the 2D teams out there, I'm hearing nothing but amazing yeah. things from the leadership team apparently is very inspiring and everyone is just innately super, super passionate about what yeah. we do. And again, Mumbai is just flooded with amazing culture and brilliant food. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I'd love to get out there and, you know, do a stint out there or collaborate yeah. with the teams out there on the ground. Brilliant, that's a great one. Um,
0: so, we, uh, that's question 12, we're nearly into the final question, which is the, the big one, but the uh, question 12
1: is, uh, who
0: would you like to hear from on this podcast, and
1: why? Yeah, I thought long and hard about this, the, the, and there are literally, I could just reel off 20 names, that would all be brilliant, and I'm sure you're going to no, get round to it. I will. Another London bard, I'm afraid, it's Arslan Elva, animation supervisor. He's absolutely off the walls, mm-hmm. um, but just again, everyone that works with him have absolutely great admiration with with his passion and expertise, his feedback, Uh, and again, just listening to him speak, I find super inspiring. And again, he's, he's, he's another big kid that that just, he's just a jolly conversation. I absolutely love him. So uh, Aslan Elmer is is my rec. He's on the spreadsheet.
0: Okay, so we have our fun pairing question now. So it used to be just one, but based on uh, our first episode, it's, it's a double-edged fun question. And I'll ask it to both of you, which is, uh, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Now, I'm going to switch this because I'm going to ask you to eat, you know, tell me the one meal, genuinely. Yeah. And then because it's a Christmas episode, I'm going to ask you what festive meal
1: could you live on every Christmas for the rest of your life? Okay. And that's to both of you, so at least you have a think while Ian procrastinates. I could eat a pretty endless amount of peanut butter and jam sandwiches <laughs> on very, very cheap white bread. Um, yeah. Never gets old, make them at ridiculous times of the evening and morning. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the favourite meal. That's the one thing that I could uh, have for the rest of my life, that's for sure.
0: Okay. Uh, peanut butter-wise, though, there's lots of very different genres of the butter. What would be your go-to peanut I, butter? I go
1: smooth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I spread it. Far too thick to the point where breathing can be t- tricky if you take <laughs> a big mouthful. And then, um, and yeah, like a just a good quality French jam. So yeah, go real cheap with the bread and bean. No, 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 no high-end. A good, uh, good high-end quality uh, marmalade. Yeah, that's brilliant.
0: I, again, we're going back to kind of, you know, uh, what is it, the different genres, the, the new school, old school. It's uh all the kind of lovely artisan peanut butters, but a, but a nice uh, slab of Wonder Bread.
1: It's just, um, <laughs> I think it's one of those. It's like a nostalgia thing, right? Yeah. You, you have it as uh, such a young kid. Oh, it's I'm like going. a comfort food when when you're when you're upset, and it's just one of those things that I've just, yeah.
0: Well, while you think of your festive meal, I'm going to hand over to Lucy. What's uh, your go-to culinary delight, you Lucy? You
2: more? I think it's underrated, but a fish finger sandwich. Oh, oh It's not underrated. It's oh, rated. Yes. Sweet chili sauce. Ooh, not mayo. Mm. Oh, hello. Chili sauce. Really You've good, highly me. recommend. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> please, please try it. Sacrilege. Honestly, really? The best that, yeah, that was a recent discovery, the sweet chili, but it was a very good addition. Bap or bread? White bread. Ooh,
0: ooh, yeah. It's got off. to be white yeah. bread. Yeah, yeah, white bread. Uh, it's not it's not as fashionable anymore with white bread, is it? Definitely. But it's isn't. not.
2: But for a fish finger sandwich, it, it has
0: to be, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got a nine year old and I love going to kids parties where you get the really cheap white bread with the, almost a rubber grated mm. cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mild cheddar cheese and loads cheese. of butter. Really it's, on it's n- <laughs> there's no nutrition in it whatsoever. Um, okay, two great answers, thank you. Oh, I'm going to try that, that's interesting, you mm-hmm. got me thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to you Ian, what's your go-to festive meal? I'm a,
1: I'm a big like Brussels person. I'm a Brussels guy. Oh God, yes. They're so good. I um, actually have them like year round which people think is gross, but they're always in stock at, at Waitrose or wherever because nobody else eats them. So me and my partner have you know, fresh Amazing. brussels in town. Um, this is so cool. But yeah, pan-fried, oven-baked, like just, got brussels are plenty. So my, my partner um, and I were vegetarian for the longest time. Um, not anymore, but you know, it's Christmas Day, there would just be an abundance of vegetables, but right in the middle, Crowning Jewel is almost like a fruit bowl Mm -hmm. filled with Brussels. Um, Yeah, Boxing Day wasn't great, but it's... uh, so good. Probably. Oh, it's so
0: nice to meet somebody who I did not know. I didn't know this about you, Ian. This is again why I love this podcast. Pointless information, but there's conversations. You're going to meet so many people out there now on the back of this podcast that will find kindred spirits who enjoy the Brussels as much as you do. Yeah. that's it. I mean, I uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, New York. The callback to New York is New York. They put them on pizzas and they're massive. They're like the size of your hand. And you go to these amazing, like traditional New York pizzerias, and they just have these sliced Brussels sprouts Ooh, on the pizza, yes, and
1: please. it's incredible. It's so so good, isn't it? Yeah, because you can you know you can uh, finely chop them and just have like the leaves, yep. um, you know. And fried, or you can just go whole roast them, it's so good. Make a Christmas oh. dinner. Let's start the Brussels sprout podcast. Okay. Do a spin off, <laughs> <Spins.
0: laughs> yeah. uh, Lucy. What about you? What's your go to festive okay. snack?
2: Um, not quite for the vegetarians or the vegans, but pigs and blanket I think Ooh. my record was 13 Respect. in one Christmas dinner.
0: That's good. Are we, uh, were they the little ones the or, little or the big ones? Yeah, cause the big ones. Oh them. I don't I think I would
2: have been sick. <laughs> I don't think
0: they're class is pigs in blankets. The big sausages. No, they're no, just no. big sausages in bacon. Yeah. They? yeah. I mean, they're not. You need to have the little chipolata, yeah.
1: like cocktail sausages I'd love to see that that plate at Christmas Day. Quarter of your plate is just. I just kept pizza. going back and
2: forth and I was counting
1: them as I went. And yeah, it was like 13 and
2: I was like, that's. And they are a go to. Why? They're too good. I can't
0: say them to people like Amazing. Well, thank you both for leaning into that. That was great. So, the last part of that question is uh, wasn't on episode one until Sergio, our first ever guest, uh, told me to, uh, in answer to his question to the question we wish he'd asked him, which was uh, what music you listen to while he works. So, what music? you listen to while you work In
1: I uh, struggle to listen to a lot of music while I work um, so I either have like a, a deep focus playlist uh, yeah. in on the background or over the past um, kind of three four years I've, I've really gotten into like, the UK jazz scene so I think nice. because there's no there's commonly not a lot of vocals um, and you know you can find some really slight slower tempo jazz stuff that I've you know find myself going to day to day so um yeah, I think okay. that's it, really. All right, excellent. So uh, after
0: this podcast, I will ask you for uh, a couple of tracks to add to the Framestore Daily Spotify playlist that Easily is in done. the show notes Easily on the done, yeah. We'll add a bit of UK uh, jazz to the playlist, uh, in addition to all the prog rock and all the other random tunes we've got on there. Uh, what about you, Lucy? Do you listen to music while you work?
2: Uh, I'm kind of the same. I don't really... I, feel, I find it hard to concentrate when there's music. I like to just focus on what I'm doing. But if I had to listen to something, it would usually be... Um, nineties or naughties pop tunes because Oh wow, okay. They you can sing along to it all day every day. Cheesy pop. Yeah cheesy wrong. pop. Can't go wrong.
0: Yeah, exactly. It just washes over you like white noise. Exactly. Amazing. Well, that brings us neatly to the end of part one, folks. How was that for you? Thank you very much. It was awesome. That was really good. I do quite fancy a Brussels sprout now, though. (laughs) Agreed. Always. I've got so many recommendations for you, but we're already over time on episode one, so we're going to leave it there. Thank you, Ian. Thanks so much. We'll see you on Thursday. Thank you, Lucy. I'm looking forward to your takeover. Well, that was part one. Join us for part two of the Frame Store podcast this Thursday where Lucy takes over proceedings as a co-host and interviews Ian. See you then.